0: Erica and I are here before you today to talk about breath and we're also here to share some of our own breath, some of it in the form of words, words that we've written and words written by others too. Uh, In my case, although we see poetry slam, what you're going to hear from me today are more reflections than poetry and then I'm going to end by sharing an amazing uh, poem by one of our neighbors in the East Village, Lower East Side. Before we can talk about breath, we need to talk about what it means to be breathless, to have our breaths taken away. What takes our breath away? New love can do it, but so can grief the kind of bone-aching grief that I imagine Mary Magdalene must have felt in that passage in John just before the one that Chad read to us when Mary was weeping outside the empty tomb, grieving for her lost rabbi Jesus. She didn't even have a body to mourn, which must have made her loss all the worse. And in this, she was like families today, in conflict or war zones, who lose loved ones to atomizing anti-personnel weapons. The empty tomb, the horror of the empty tomb, the void, not even the beloved body to touch. Lost this hard hollows you out, it empties you, and grief that deep can make you sob until you're out of breath. And these days we have so much to grieve. I'm thinking now of a brave young woman who survived one of the school shootings that are so much in the news before they fade from the news. She was at her high school on its day of terror. She lived through that terror and she graduated and she entered college. At my college's freshman orientation a couple of weeks ago, She sat, not with the other new students, but between her two parents. Like my 19-year-old daughter, Gracie, she grew up having to practice not just fire drills, but shooter drills. The protocol, which we review with our students at each orientation too, is run, hide, tell. My student, who survived the massacre, was terrified afraid that she'd have a panic attack, but she willed herself to stay put and to listen, run, hide, tell. The fact is that we as a nation have allowed a few generations of our school kids to be shot dead or terrorized by gun violence. Some of our children have been deprived of breath forever. Many of them Not just the survivors of school massacres, but those who've endured those endless shooter drills, which mean to safeguard our children, but also serve to normalize gun violence, are too anxious to deeply breathe. What else takes our breath away? Inscribed and re-inscribed in our neural pathways every time we see the footage, again, Eric Garner. During his final moments of drawing breath, Eric Garner, who somehow summoned enough breath to tell his attacker, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The moments before Eric Garner's death are inscribed in our neural pathways because we have good footage of it, but there are so many other uninscribed moments, so many empty tombs of black men mostly, but also black children, and black women who were killed by and continue to die at the hands of an institution, at the hands of a force that was formed to serve and to protect. Standing before these empty tombs, who among us can breathe? At the college where I teach, we try to help our students not point fingers at individual people, but to understand global systems of injustice and inequality. It's my job here in the US to help them think about systems of injustice and inequality inequality right here at home. In my classroom, we talk about how our mighty nation's brokenness started right at the beginning with genocide and enslavement, and how that brokenness shaped and still shapes our institutions. Using this framework, we go on to talk about institutional racism, militarized police forces, worldwide endless war, and so on. Our students need to know the contours and depth of the breach before they can begin to walk with those who are already working to heal that breach. I like to think that what I do as a professor is necessary, but sometimes when I think about that breach, the unrepaired breach, the empty space, the empty tomb yawning beneath our nation's feet, and how in the classroom I pull back the curtain on American exceptionalism to show my kids the terrifying void over which we stand. It takes my breath away. Here is something else that takes my breath. This Wednesday, as Amanda said, it will be the 18th year since 9-11-2001. I remember the horror and the shock we felt when the imposing-looking World Trade Center towers that were the emblems of the financial center of our nation and where many of our friends and neighbors worked dissolved into dust. Those of us who lived downtown and stayed downtown while the ruins of the towers burned, walked around, if we walked around at all, wearing particle masks or scarves or bandanas around our mouths and noses so that we would not breathe the toxic smoke that rose from the funeral pyre that contained the bodies of the employees and CEOs and undocumented workers and firemen and of the violent extremists also who had hijacked the planes. It was a time of mourning and of grief and of not being able to breathe. During those terrible first days after 9-11, Middle Church kept its doors open. My husband Chuck, our then toddler Gracie, and I were among the many who walked through those doors. Gracie and her very energetic little East Village friends who had been cooped up inside for days because we couldn't take them to the playground with all that smoke had the run of the social hall. It was then that I began to learn what the word refuge could mean. I wrote back then in my second book that the bitter smell that was everywhere hadn't penetrated middle sanctuary. This was and is a safe space, a space where after 9-11 I learned how to breathe again. I'd like to leave you now with a poem that I mentioned by Hetty Jones, our neighbor down the block on East Fifth Street. And this is also about those breathless times. Dust. A survival kit. 9-11 to 10-11-2001. Listen to Hetty's words. 9:25. Two weeks breathing the dead. Each breath marking each stunning absence. Ourselves as coffin, winding sheet, urn, worm. But oh, of what is God made. 10 two. We lived among blossoming words until some of them exploded like one human exploding another. Say human again. Try to feel the word on your lips. 10, 11. The dead have dispersed. It has rained on them twice. They have drifted to sea ascended in mist, breathe them once again and begin.
1: A second wind. In my remarks today, I will take us through a few moves from breath to poetry to breath again. In the lectionary we use today, in just a line or two earlier, Jesus appears before the disciples and they are surprised and they want to embrace him. But he tells them, Don't touch me just yet. I haven't yet ascended to my father. He tells them, Peace be with you. He says it twice. Peace be with you. And then he breathes on them. And at that moment, between some sort of middle place. He's still Jesus, and he's not yet the Christ. He is a bridge. He's a bridge from us to an intangible God. The God who the Israelites knew as a column of smoke, a burning bush, a blinding light, a whisper in a storm. The disciples, it says in the message, the disciples are exuberant when they see him. And I also think that their heads are spinning with disbelief and being puzzled. Before them is the friend and teacher who they saw taunted, tortured, murdered, and now he's returned. Yet he's changed. He faces them and he breathes peace and he breathes the Holy Spirit that refreshes and restores. And the disciples now have a kind of tangible means of connecting to the intangible presence of God. Thus, my meditation, a second wind. I have found a second wind in breathing, taking a deep breath as I pray, taking a deep breath in the middle of catastrophe, taking a deep breath in the middle of mourning. It helps me to connect to the words of prayer, to visualize that breath enters me and The spirit is embodied, and I use that as a bridge to God, who loves us so much as to let us touch and be touched. Like many, I feel overwhelmed by practical, political, and even existential worries, and I feel like I am losing my breath. We run, some of us, all the time, stoics, to the point of collapse or to the point of ill health, or blood pressure or other kinds of neglect of self without taking a breath, without stopping for that second wind in which we let God give us the peace, the healing, the focus, the clarity, the wisdom, the energy to finish the race towards love and justice. Here is an exercise, it is taken from the practice of pranayama breathing which has origins in India, as our guest today showed us and I strongly suspect it's older than even that practice, fifth or sixth century of breathing. It is intended to clear emotional and physical knots in the body-mind in order to create calm and clarity and focus. The breath is called 478. How many people know it? It's very, I read an article recently in The Times that said that this breath of taking in a breath and then let, short time, then letting out a breath for a longer period of time actually impacts the vagus nerve. It's actually got a physiological place in our bodies that helps us to calm down (laughs) and slow down so that we can then regain our strength, regain our breath. Four, seven, eight. Let's practice. We breathe in for a count of four. Hold it for seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And breathe out for eight. Let's do it one more time. In for four. Breathe in one, two, three, four. Breathe out for seven. One, two, three, four, five,
0: six, seven. And breathe out for eight.
1: Thank you. Now let us imagine we are in the presence of God, and God breathes upon us. Peace be to you, and so we breathe in God's peace, and we let it settle. And then we breathe out our distress, (laughs) breathe out your anxiety, breathe out your fear. Breathe in God's peace, then breathe out that sense of siege, frustration, rage, insufficiency, grief, our concern for ourselves and for our neighbors. And in the next breath, we let God come near, the Holy Spirit bringing peace, a sense of resilience, the strength To mount the air like eagles, says the psalmist. To run and not grow weary. In the next lines of John, after this breath, this gift of the second wind, Jesus sends the disciples into the world. Not to just sit there and have peace. Nice. (laughs) But to go out into the world. To take action to tikkun olam, right? To heal the world. And that takes energy. That means we don't become part of the whirlwind around us. We don't become part of the Trumpian chaos, the endless and frantic greed, the death wish and violence breaking the bodies around us. The violence or the despoiling of the world. We get a second wind. How cool is that? The deep breath of God's peace, a deep exhalation, longer than the inhale, gifts us with calm clarity, connects us to love, moves us towards justice. I want to read an excerpt from a poem by Juliana Spar and she wrote it after 9/11 when she was living in Brooklyn as everyone with lungs breathes the space between the hands, and then space around the hands, and the space of the room, and the space of the building that surrounds the room, and the space of the neighborhoods nearby, and the space of the cities, and the space of the regions, and the space of the nations, and the space of the continents, and islands, and the space of the oceans, and the space of the troposphere, and the space of the stratosphere in and out. As everyone with lungs breathes the space between the hands and the space around the hands and the space of the room and the space of the building that surrounds the room and the space of the neighborhoods nearby and the space of the cities and the space of the regions and the space of the nations and the space of the continents and islands and the space of the oceans and the space of the tropospheres and the space of the stratosphere and the space of the mesosphere in and out In this, everything turning and small, being breathed in and out by everyone with lungs during all of the moments, then all of it entering in and out. The entering and in and out of the space of the mesosphere, into the into the entering in and out of the space of the stratosphere, in the entering in and out of the space of the troposphere, in the entering in and out of the space of the oceans, in the entering in and out of the space of the continents and islands, in the entering in and out of the space of the nations, in the entering in and out of the space of the regions, in the entering in and out of the space of the cities, in the entering in and out of the space of the neighborhoods nearby, in the entering in and out of the space of the building, in the entering in and out of the space of the room, in and out of the space around the hands, in the entering in and out of the space between the hands. How connected we are with everyone. The space of everyone that has just been inside of everyone, mixing inside of everyone with nitrogen and oxygen, water vapor and argon and carbon dioxide and suspended dust spores and bacteria mixing inside of everyone with sulfur and titanium and nickel and silicon particles from pulverized glass and concrete. How lovely, how doomed this connection of everyone with lungs. I leave you with this poem. It's a variation of a poem I've already written for a book called Veronica. For you who lie awake in the who knows what will happen next, unstill stillness, I pray for you a second wind. For you whose breath has caught between stations, motionless yet headlong in peril. For you who inhale and do not exhale in the shock of the latest cruelty, the latest mass funeral, for you who wrestle with angels or are they angels or is the angel yourself? For you who are tight in the grip of doubt or rage or shame, an old tape scolding you for being yourself. For you, for whom the end of the world is terrifyingly close, who look down and see there is no net after all. For you, for whom the end of the world has already come in the form of genocide or state-sanctioned terror, who have survived being indigenous, black, Jewish, Hutu, Croate. For you, who the end of the world means exhaustion, the end of living with empire. For you, who have no words, can barely breathe, let alone speak. For you, whom love is finally a possibility touch a kindling flame, kiss a public celebration, a held hand, a sanctuary that others want to police or extinguish. For you whom love comes with a fist or a shove or a broken jaw, for whom love is out of body. For you who seek shelter, safety, who seek a meal, a nap, a rest, some music, maybe too much pasta, a glass of wine, the cup of friendship, the decency, decency towards neighbors, just wages and health, just to be free, that we all get free, that we get free with justice. Peace be to you, peace be to you, a deep breath, take in peace, hold it, release, may God shine God's face upon you and give you peace,
0: thank you.